Thank you for joining me on another episode of She Leads Now podcast, where we help career and entrepreneurial women gain the tools to develop a success mindset, create winning strategies, build collaborative relationships, and take bold action towards creating impact and fulfillment in their lives and careers. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon, and I'm on a mission to awaken and activate women and emerging leaders so they can tap into their innate leadership ability, elevate their influence, and create the impact they were destined to make. If you're ready to up-level your confidence, courage, and influence, you've come to the right place. Join me weekly for insights, strategies, and resources to help you grow, develop, and embody the leader you were meant to be so that you can make the impact you know you are called to make and establish the legacy you've always dreamed. The world eagerly awaits the emergence of your brilliance, impact, and influence. So with that, let's dive into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the She Leads Now podcast. I'm your host, Sabine Gideon. And on today's episode, episode three, we are going to focus in or discuss the effective strategies for navigating career transitions. Now, at the time of this recording, it's January 2022. Many are examining their careers and making decisions to make leaps, whether that be into something completely different or perhaps a different organization that is more aligned with what they want to do at this stage in their life and in their career. So with that, I wanted to share a couple strategies that I've found to be effective, both in my own professional career, as well as in the careers and the lives of other women that I have coached through their transitions. So if you know me, or my story for that matter, you know I've had some personal experience in this space uh, as it relates to career transitions. Following undergrad, I got my first role in my major, which was HR at the time, and it was with a global financial services company. And almost immediately, I fell in love with the HR business partner role after supporting a few HR leaders while serving as a coordinator, which you know was basically an entry-level role at the time. And I remember being told by a former manager that I'd need at least 20 years of experience before those doors would ever open up to me. Now, the young me really took his dream killing statement as a deer, believe it or not. And I set out to prove him wrong and prove to myself that I could be anything that I wanted to be and have any role I wanted to have. My mindset at the time was really around, you know, if I work hard, I can achieve whatever it is that I want. Now, granted, I learned some very, very, very valuable lessons as it relates to that particular mindset. And, and the mindset that I'm referring to is that put your head down, work hard, and someone will notice you uh, mindset. I learned the hard way that that's not necessarily how it works in corporate America, but I digress. Needless to say, once I had decided that that was the pathway that I wanted to move towards, I worked my butt off. It, it took nearly 12 years for me to finally step into that HR business partner role. And granted, this was after countless hours of work. I used to be a workaholic and probably still a workaholic, but I'm working on it. Um, you know, I took on a slew of projects, uh, things that no one else wanted to take on. Uh, one of my former managers used to call them dots, development opportunities that suck. Uh, I've never forgotten that. So I took on a lot of dots. I took pay cuts. I navigated to the best that I could to finally 
get that HR business partner role. And I did. I did. I even went back to school. But the funny thing is, in less than six months of stepping into that role, I realized that this was not for me. I'd worked so hard to attain my dream job. And here I was with really no plan B because I was so focused on getting to that HR business partner level. And I would be, I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I, I was devastated. All of my identity had been wrapped up in work and it certainly had been wrapped up in getting to this, you know, status that I felt would have been maybe not the pinnacle of my career, but certainly a landing point that would only catapult me to the next level. So needless to say, I had a lot of soul searching to do once things didn't necessarily work out the way that I wanted. But also in retrospect, I can look back and I can understand why once I got the role, it no longer felt in alignment with me. It was simply because I had outgrown that version of me, that 22, 23-year-old version of me that was just excited to climb the corporate ladder and to do this work. I was no longer her, uh, you know, about 12 years later. And so the lesson that I learned there in, in that instance, too, was sometimes it's, it's okay to change paths. It's okay to shift. Uh, sometimes the things that we think that we really want and that we're willing to work towards, we may get to it finally or eventually and decide, you know what, this really isn't for me and that's okay. So luckily, my story didn't end there. Yes, I was devastated. Yes, I had to do some soul searching. But during that time, I allowed myself the space to recenter and identify the parts of my roles where I felt most impactful and fulfilled. So I really literally did an exercise, and and this took weeks, if, if I could recall correctly, of me basically thinking back over the course of my career and trying to identify, you know, what were those moments where I felt the most fulfilled, where I felt like I was making an impact, where I felt that, you know, this was the place that I was graced to be. And as I recalled, It was in two areas. It was one, when I was sitting with employees and helping them map out their careers, helping them get clarity on what their strengths were, where their opportunities were, and how they were going to move forward with whatever career path that they wanted. And then the next was when I was sitting behind closed doors with leaders. And I've sat behind closed doors with a lot of leaders, a lot of different personalities, a lot of... um, management styles, a lot of baggage, if you will. And so one of the things that I thought was unique about each and every one of those situations and and possibly the same was that no matter how they behaved outside in their environment or with their teams, once we got behind closed doors, there was a level of vulnerability that they allowed me to see. And there was a level of trust that I was able to gain with them that allowed me to really coach and counsel them towards making the best decisions for their team, their workforce, and even for themselves individually in their careers. As I thought through these two instances, that's when I really began to look into coaching as a possible career option. At the time, coaching was nowhere near as as popular or widespread as it is today. 
But nonetheless, it gave me a glimpse into a possibility of a new identity. And I was all for it to be able to support people in their growth, to be able to share my expertise and help them move forward in their life. I, I, I was thrilled to be able to have found my plan B. Now, of course, it didn't happen overnight. It really took some time for me to not only get clarity on what, you know, that plan B would look like, but it also took time for me to grow into that new identity. As you recall, I shared before, you know, so much of my identity was wrapped up in the role and the position and and the vision that I had had for myself. And so to make the shift to coaching, I needed to change and I needed to see myself a, a little differently. So long story short, I ended up making the leap in 2018 into starting my own business. And I started it as a career coach because uh, that that was naturally where I, I believed I was skilled and gifted and have since evolved into providing more executive coaching and leadership coaching, um, still working with leaders and still having that same desire to support them in their growth and their development. So now having gone through the experience of shifting gears actually multiple times in my career and certainly coaching other ones. I understand that with this great resignation, many are facing a similar dilemma, recognizing that, you know, what they're doing or where they've been or their career that they've been pursuing is no longer aligned. Or in some cases, they have outgrown the role, they've outgrown the company, and they're battling in their own minds around what is next? What can I do? What am I good at? What am I skilled at? What skills can I transfer into a different environment? This episode is for you. If you know that you have a lot to offer, uh, but what you're doing today, again, it's just it just no longer fuels you and you're ready to take a leap or you're ready to take that next life transforming step. Here are some ideas for you that you can, you know, start to think through, start to process and some things that you can do now to prepare Or if you already if you've already made that leap, you can use uh, some of these to stay on the pathway because it does take a lot of mental and emotional processing when we are making shifts, especially if it's into something completely different. If you're moving from one company to another using a similar skill set that you've been using, sometimes it's not as hard. But if you are completely shifting to something else, it can require a little bit more work with that. Strategy number one, invest in self-development. Now, I'm not just saying this because I serve as a coach or I help support people in this capacity. I am saying this because it's such a critical need. When you've been doing something for so long, when it's time for us to make a leap, it can require that we learn a new skill or that we gain deeper level competency in whatever it is that we're trying to do. So, As an example, one of the very first things that I did when I made that leap or even before I made the leap is I got a coach and I got the coach to really help me get clarity about my transition and start to make a plan that would allow me to, you know, really build a business um, that was sustainable and that I could continue to grow. One of the key pieces also that the coach helped me with was all of the mental blocks that came with, can I do this? Am I qualified? All of the imposter syndrome and the, and the negative inner critic, 
all of those thoughts around, do I have what it takes? My coach was very, very critical in helping me process a lot of those thoughts and a lot of those emotions that were coming up while also helping me move forward with a plan and a strategy that would support me when I actually made the leap. Self-development can also include taking courses. It can include looking into certifications. It can include reading books about the particular industry that you want to go into. But the point is, it's, it's very important either before you make the leap and even well into the leap to ensure that you are developing yourself as well. Um, and then in that space too, you know, this is a great opportunity for you to identify any gaps and skills from where you are to where you want to be and then leveraging those resources. So like I said, if you are completely shifting into something new, you there's a ton of books out there. There's a ton of YouTube videos out there that you can watch that can help you uh, really hone in on a skill that you currently have or a new skill, skill that you're looking to develop. Strategy number two is to get clear on what you do really well, aka what is your unique brilliance? The things that make up your unique brilliance are the things that you can do without any effort, without thinking about it. You're just naturally skilled at it. And you've identified these things as skills that are transferable. So transferable skills, and I'm going to use some some basic ones for examples here, um, would be, you know, relationship management, customer service, technical expertise that you have. So those are some transferable skills, and we all have them. The task is for you to get clear on what you bring to the table that will be an asset in your new role. So I'll give you a personal example for me. I was a recruiter for 10 years. And so over time, I had built the skill around asking probing questions, uh, going beyond the surface level responses of candidates to dig a little deeper and to get to the root of an answer or the motive. And so as you think about coaching or as I think about coaching, uh, that's a huge part of what coaches do. It's around asking questions and it's around helping clients get past surface level understanding to dig a little deeper. So my time in recruiting, aka training, was actually preparing me to be an effective coach. So what is that for you? What, what are some of the skills that you use for a very, very long time that would naturally help you transition into that next, that next level of your career? Strategy number three, do your research. If you're going into something completely new, take the time to understand the challenges and the growth opportunities of that new industry. Now, you know, thank God for Google, right? Google is certainly a godsend. If you're at a place where you've been doing X, but you are ready to transition into Y, or you're even considering transitioning into Y, get some clarity on what it is that you're really stepping into. And I'll give you some reasons why this is important. First, you want to get clear on who are the key players in the market, right? If you're looking at SaaS companies, who's dominating the market? Um, if you are looking in financial services, what are the larger organizations there? Get clear on the key players. Then what's on the horizon that might disrupt that industry? 
this is going to make you powerful in so many different ways. Having a real understanding of where you can make an impact or uncovering potential threats for the industry, you can then begin to um, position yourself and your skills of how you can help an organization overcome that. And it gives you the insight to really assess or and evaluate, is this an industry that I really want to step into? Once you understand who the key players are, you understand what some of the challenges, what some of the opportunities are, some of the wins. Guess what? When you are sitting across from a recruiter or a hiring manager, or in this case, when you're on Zoom uh, with a recruiter or a hiring manager, you can set yourself apart because you've done the work of understanding what the challenges are that are beyond what's in the job description and can make you or it will help make yourself a more valuable candidate and a candidate who comes off as someone who really understands the landscape and who has given thought to how they can come in and help avoid, mitigate, or support the organization through the changes. Fourth, you want to leverage your network. Now, I can't stress this enough. Reach out to people who are already in your current network to find out who or what they know within that particular industry. Stick around long enough, you'll get tired of hearing me talk about LinkedIn, but LinkedIn is a wonderful place to, one, identify these key players, to get information on, on the industry, and then tap into the minds of individuals who are already working in that particular industry. So I would invite you to go on LinkedIn, identify a few individuals, whether they're already working at the organizations you want to work at, or they're individuals that were already in your network because you worked with them at a previous employer and now they've transitioned to where you want to be. Identify these individuals who can introduce you to decision makers or future partners. When you reach out, obviously ensure that you are getting their point of view around the industry, around what it's like to work there. And then as it makes sense, ask for the opportunity or the introduction to individuals who can either support you with informational interviews or who can support you with a particular referral. Strategy number five, and I think this is so critical and so important, especially for women, stand firm in your value. When we're transitioning, oftentimes we may feel that, you know what, I don't have 100% of whatever qualifications they're asking. And, and studies show that, women specifically, that we will look at a job description where we may have 70 or even 80% of the requirements and choose not to apply versus our male counterparts who will see maybe 40% of the job uh, requirements and still go ahead and apply. The ideal composition should be somewhere around 70-30, meaning that you should have 70% of the skills that are required for the job, leaving some room, about 30%, for you to grow. Because think about it. If you go into a role where you have 100% of the qualifications, you're going to get bored you're not going to be challenged. Like I, maybe the first few months, it'll be exciting. It'll be new because you're learning the organization's way of doing something, but it won't take long before you feel like your growth is stunted. So I would encourage you to ensure that you're looking at somewhere between a 70-30 or a 60-40 because that at least gives you some room 
to grow, to develop, to continue to be challenged in the role in those first one to two years. So, you know, stand firm in your value. Uh, Just know that transitioning to a new role or a new career, for that matter, is not the same as starting from scratch. Uh, Don't discount the years of experience, the years of skills, talent, and expertise that you bring to the table. It's easy to get intimidated by the fact that you're moving into something new and you may allow yourself to get lowballed because you think I got to start from the bottom all over again. And that's not true. All of the experiences that you bring with you are valuable. It's just a matter of learning how to communicate and how to articulate the value that you bring, the transferable skills, the industry knowledge, the training that you've amassed. So again, be mindful to basically know your worth going into it and don't discount you uh, or what you bring to the table because it's quote unquote new. Really quick recap on what these strategies were. So first and foremost, invest in your development, whether that's a coach, whether that's courses, whether it's certification, whatever it is that you need to help close the gap between what you know and you're skilled at and the new industry or role that you want to go into? What is your unique brilliance? What are some of the transferable skills that you have that can easily make you an asset to the new company? Do your research, really dig deep, understand the industry, understand the challenges, understand where you can easily come in with some quick wins so that you can communicate that during the interview. Leverage your network. That is number four. Uh, Your network equals your net worth. You're going to hear me say that a million times as well. Go on LinkedIn, identify the organizations that you want to work with, identify individuals who are maybe your first, second, or third connections that work within that organization and reach out to them to find out more information about what they do there, how they like it. If it's specifically a first connection, that's great because that means that this is someone you at least have had some level of rapport with. And they might be a lot more willing to share with you the ins and outs. But if it is a second or third connection, then you can ask for an informational meeting where you're very, very brief and you have two to three, maybe four uh, key things that you want to learn about their experience and the industry or the organization that they're at. And then lastly, stand firm in your value. Just remember that you are a total package and whatever you're transitioning into, you are transitioning with that total package. And so be prepared to articulate that because it's the beginning of the year. And I know that many of us are trying to figure out our goals and figure out our strategy of how we're going to move forward in our careers and our personal lives. Studies show most people who make resolutions at the beginning of the year sometimes end up abandoning them before the end of Q1. So to help support you in actually achieving your goals, I've created a workbook around creating micro habits. So micro habits are the things that we do to help support the action that we take to help meet our particular goals. You can get a free copy of that workbook on my website, sabinegideon.com forward slash habits. I will link that in the show notes below. So go ahead, grab your free copy and start doing the work of creating the micro habits that will help you be successful in achieving your goals. That's it for now. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of She Leads Now. 
Be sure to join us next week for another transformative discussion to help you grow, develop, and embody the courageous leader you've always been. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get alerts when new episodes drop and join us for our next Leaders Lounge meetup on Zoom. Details and dates for future sessions are included in the show notes below. So take a look there or head over to sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to register and hold your spot for the next session. Again, that's sabinegideon.com forward slash lounge to grab your spot. Excited to connect with you all inside the lounge. Talk to you soon.